Hey guys, and happy Monday. I am so excited to be sharing my conversation with Maddie Price with you all. She is so cool, so down to earth, and she's a freaking Olympian, so there's that. Um, But she's just like the kindest soul ever, and I'm just, I've been looking forward to speaking to her for so long. I first listened to her speak on my friend, um, my friends, Kat and Skylar's podcast, The Mental Matchup. I've had them both on individually and together. Uh, if you haven't listened to The Mental Matchup, definitely check it out. And so to be able to record with Maddie after, you know, hearing so many amazing things about her and um, and hearing her speak on my friend's podcast, just so cool and I'm sure you all will just love this episode. Uh, before I jump in, I do want to quickly talk about just a couple of my sponsors, um, specifically in the mental health and therapy space. I'm not sure if this is you know kosher, but I have a discount for both BetterHelp and Talkspace. So if you know you are looking for a more affordable way to access therapy, um, specifically like remotely. I highly recommend trying either out. Just message me if you want to know the difference um, between each app because I'm happy to walk you through like the nuances, but they're both pretty similar. You get to message your therapist um, as much as you want, schedule live sessions over video or um, live chat or phone call. And it's just, I mean, I still use my therapist from um, who has worked for both of these companies actually. And so for each of those, you can either go to trybetterhelp.com slash Zoe to get 10% off your first month, or you can use the code Zoe, Z-O-E at checkout um, after making a Talkspace account for $100 off your first month. So pick your poison, but either way, you can't go wrong. So without further ado, here is Maddie Price. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Solace in the City. Today, I am so excited to be here with Maddie Price, who is a mental health advocate and Olympian, which is so sick. I can't believe I have a someone who is at the Tokyo Olympics literally on my podcast. This is wild. <laughs> and, for and former yeah. Austinite. Shout yes, out. former Austinite. I know. Just moving. Well, thanks for having me. I'm stoked to be here. <laughs> I'm so excited to talk. Um, Kat and Skylar have said such amazing things about you. Um, if you don't mind, obviously, you know, I know about a little bit about you through them. If you could ta- tell my audience a little bit about yourself, like where are you from? How old are you? Where'd you go to school? What's your story? Yeah, so I was born and raised um, right outside of San Francisco area, but compete for the Canadian team because my parents are both from Canada. My whole family's from Canada. So it just felt right to be able to compete for my roots and have some amazing opportunities with the Canadian team. But yeah, grew up right outside of the Bay Area um, alongside my sister, played a bunch of sports growing up, um, had the opportunity to go to Duke, run at Duke and study there, which was incredible. And then after had a continued opportunity to pursue track professionally. And so I'm still running pro. Um, yeah, as you said, it went to the Tokyo Olympics in the four by four where we got fourth and yeah, I'm running full-time mentoring female athletes, 
talking on a lot of podcasts, trying to open up conversations about mental health, as you said, as well. So that's a yeah, brief synopsis of me and part of my journey. So awesome. I love running, but like for fun, yeah. <laughs> not fast. Not for a job as much. Yeah. You know, half marathon is like, that's, that, that, actually, that was pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. I was about to say that's, that's for real. <laughs> Um, okay. So let's go back in time and talk a little bit about, you know, how your passion for running, um, developed. Like I know for me, like, (laughs) I'm like saying this in comparison, like, oh, I know for me, but like personally, like I also like running, obviously it's very different, but partially just, it took me a while. Like I had to get over this like hatred of it. And once I beat the hatred, I like loved it. But I feel like I get into this meditative state when I run and everything just like, dissipates like all of my problems and like I never end a run well that's not true but like I always feel so good and just like on a high like what attracted you to the sport especially like track and field yeah I love that you said that it kind of gives you that meditative state because I think for me early on um starting to run I ran a little bit of cross country to start out like a, a soccer coach in middle school um George saw a little bit of speed in me and was like you should try track um because you're fast in soccer so tried it out ran cross country and I think in the same way that you said just loved how freeing it felt just like go on a run especially with some teammates in the trees just like kind of an outlet where you can let your mind go. Um, but as I got more onto the track and more into sprinting, I just love the feeling of like pure competition, like just getting to try and run faster against myself, run faster against the clock, like run faster against other opponents, like just competing at that kind of most basic level. I would feel like drew me to track a lot. Um, it kind of terrified me that you had to work so hard to like shave off a 10th of a second or a hundredth of a second, but it also was so exciting and rewarding to be like, okay, all the work that I'm putting in like goes towards this race and we're going to see what happens and just enjoy it. So I would say, yeah, kind of similar meditative feeling at first. And then just that awesome feeling of competing. Like my dad raced cars professionally as well. And so I think that racing feeling was really just there from seeing him do it and talking to him about it as well. Yeah. So how does the recruitment process for track and field work? Like, were you like, did being a, did you have that intense pressure when you were in high school? And if so, did that affect your mental health or did the mental health difficulties kick in later on? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I went to a high school in the Bay area that was definitely pretty intense. It was very academically rigorous. There was a lot of amazing athletes, a lot of amazing artists and theater. And just like one of those schools that was, um, very high performing, I would say. Like everyone's gunning for Stanford kind of a thing. Yes. Yes. Very much kind of like that type of vibe. And like, how many extracurriculars are you doing? How many APs are you taking? Those types of questions, which was, um, amazing in a lot of ways. Cause it really pushed me. And I feel like I wouldn't be who I am if I wasn't in that environment to a degree, but at the same time, I think like you, like you said, definitely felt a lot of that pressure. Um, and it wasn't really from like anybody in particular. I feel like my parents were really amazing about not putting a ton of pressure on us and my sister and I, um, but I think you just kind of feel it externally, but, um, I think the mental health stuff started to kick in, I would say more in college. And then I would say even post-collegiately into this kind of professional world and and making these transitions and post-Olympics, um, which I know we can talk more about later, but yeah. So I would say a little bit later, I think that recruiting process was challenging. Um, 
just to see like on paper, are you fast enough? Like it's very black and white, especially with track. And so I know that can affect a young person's confidence. Like, oh, you're just not fast enough. You're just like not good enough. And so I think there was some confidence woes here and there, but yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because I feel like, I mean, I can imagine how, especially with a sport like track or like any sport where you're a you're you are your biggest opponent kind of a thing like rowing for example that was big at my school my high school um can definitely like could affect you your mental health negatively when you're younger Mm -hmm. so it's interesting that like although it obviously like it would for anyone who's a good athlete like affect you that it was college that it seems like took the harder toll Yeah. I think at that younger age, like I was still just learning track. Right. So I was just like kind of figuring it out. Like didn't really know how to run 400 properly. So I think at that point you're almost just having fun with it and practices are so much less pressure, right. You're just kind of like running and hanging out with your friends. Whereas Mm -hmm. I think when you get into college and especially Duke and the ACC was very competitive and the NCAA system is super intense. Um, and then obviously post-collegially as well. That's where I think that like identity of I am a track athlete starts to come in and you feel like you have to fill that identity fully without kind of losing that sense of who I am outside of the sport right yeah I also think I mean just from the people I know who went to Duke like it is probably one of the most like work hard play hard schools ever just in terms of (laughs) the academic rigor but also just everyone is perfect and beautiful and in like eight sororities and you know what I mean like everyone is just so put together and like there were times at Hopkins where I felt like that but at the same time I didn't play a sport and like it everyone would always just complain anyway (laughs) but I think how like did that also add to the stressors yeah I think you explained it perfectly um I talked about this a little bit on with Skylar and Kat too, that idea of effortless perfection, right? That everyone's doing fine. You're kind of like the duck swimming on the water, you know, above the water, the duck's heads just floating like easily underneath the water. They're like have to paddle so, so, so hard to keep their head afloat, but no one sees that, right? It's all behind the scenes. Everyone sort of puts on this show, let their have it all figured out. So that definitely affected me. Um, It took me a long time to realize that like, it's normal to one, ask for help two to just like struggle and, and kind of, I listened to your podcast with Talia as well. And to just like be human and have these kind of human experiences where you go through the lows and highs. Um, so I think that definitely affected me, but the sooner I sort of understood that I was on my own unique timeline helped the sooner I could not compare myself to other track athletes or, or other, um, students like the better but it took me years and it still is something I'm working towards I think yeah I feel like I I had a similar experience I mean there were definitely some people in my Mm. school where they would go out like till seven in the morning they like were pre-med like they'd go to their (laughs) they'd make their 8 a.m class and like get like a hundreds and I was like, is this just because they do like a lot of cocaine? Like, I like, like, how is this possible? But then I just kind of stuck to my little tribe of like applied math nerds. And like, we'd all kind of just complain and like suffer together. But okay, it's okay for me to say on this podcast. Oops. Yeah. I wasn't doing the cocaine for, for, <laughs> for the record. Yeah. No. Yeah. But you have your own like community of people that like, yeah, like had your own. Yeah. You can like just say like, I mean, granted almost to a fault of like, this is like, I have so much like homework and they'd be like, no, well, I have so much homework and a test, but 
that's different. <laughs> that's a different story. Yeah, yeah, that's a whole other topic. I definitely felt at Duke too. They're like kind of one up competition on of like how yeah oh my god how hard are you having it right now and I was like what is <laughs> what is what is that about that is the <laughs> biggest difference Austin is because New York is like that too and I feel like in Austin everyone is just like yeah I work at Facebook but like you know I'm chilling on my pool just <laughs> like living life and just no one like cares too much but everyone still like kicks ass yeah um, a lot more laid back I get that for sure so I know that your and you mentioned this on your podcast um, with Cat and Sky that when you were you're a sophomore I believe in, in college mm-hmm. you lost your father um, to cancer mm-hmm. and I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about you know how that affected you and I mean obviously it affected your mental health but I mean yeah. it, like it would to any normal person but I guess mm-hmm. kind of how that grief affected your running as well if that makes sense totally yeah that's a a great question um I think just in general grief is so different for every person but I felt that it was especially hard to be grieving while in college I think like college that environment is really challenging because you don't have a lot of privacy right if you have roommates but you kind of feel like you need to cry yourself to sleep at night like where do you go you know so just I think um that was part of the challenge in after that process. And I think the way it affected track was my dad was such a big part of sports for me and of pushing myself and just like this amazing light and support system for me all throughout my life. I think he was so proud of my sister and I, and just like gave so much love. Right. And so when that was gone so quickly, um, it was challenging for me to then try and rebuild my own self-belief because I relied so much on his support and light, I think. But in the same vein, as hard as that was to have that gone, there was a lot of growth and understanding that I did need to develop my own self-belief and my own reason why I was doing track, not just to like make my dad proud or to kind of fulfill this like racing theme that has been a part of my life um, for so long, just watching him race. So um, yeah, and I think it was a weird, interesting timing of not making the, the Olympic team. I missed the 2016 Olympic team. And then he passed six months later. And I think not making that Olympic team, I ended up actually getting to spend the whole summer with him while he was really sick. And so it's weird how sometimes in life, like things like that happen. And I think not making that Olympic team also fueled the fire for making Tokyo and, and having a lot of internal growth and internal introspection. Um, Yeah. Like a major blessing in disguise to get to six extra months with your dad. Yeah, exactly. It's crazy how that all happens. But I think I do too. Like I really tried to invest in community. And so a lot of other students who had lost loved ones, I like co-founded an organization at Duke called um, AMF, Actively Moving Forward, that has chapters all over the country. Um, And it was basically just for students to come chat about their loved ones who had passed. We do kind of like exercises or we just like chat. People would kind of cry, laugh, tell funny stories about loved ones that had passed. But it was just like a space where we could all be like, okay, we all are in a similar boat. Like, let's just talk about it and be here for one another. And that helped me tremendously. I know it helped a lot of other students that were going through loss as well. So um, I think that's also what really helped me get through that time. No, that is amazing. And I, I so wish I had had that organization on my campus when I was a senior like what you mentioned earlier about like how people grieve differently I remember Mm -hmm. um when my friend um passed on Christmas and I had one semester left 
my close friends, like obviously they didn't mean badly, but they just didn't understand. And, and it would be like, oh, just just come out, like distract yourself, get drink, like like have some drinks. And like that would result in me like blacking out and because yeah. I was just and then crying on a Baltimore street. Like I was so sad and didn't have like people who had experienced something similar to talk to. Mm-hmm. And the only time, I mean, granted it drove me into like a very bad place in my mental health, but I think you need that space, you know, and, and you had the next two years, for example, to like process it and say, how can I give back? Which is amazing. And, mm-hmm. um, because God, I can't, I can't even imagine. And especially when you're so young and in college and like balancing a gazillion other things. No, I mean, same with you. I think it's like, you're right. It's easy to do the like busyness thing. I found myself doing the same thing of like, you're trying to like come out or like you being just like, I need to just go to like doing 50 billion things to the point where then you run yourself into an even worse place. Cause you're not giving yourself that space to like yeah. cross or grieve in like a way that you could also just the demands of being a college student. There's so, so many distractions. Yeah. yeah. There's so much going on. So like, how do you have the time to actually grieve and process a loss that you just faced? Right. So yeah, it's, it's a challenging place to do it. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, like now that I think about this, I feel like I'm literally in a therapy session. Like that makes so much sense. Cause then when I went into the summer, it was like, that's when everything went downhill because I couldn't mm-hmm. distract myself with like organizing fundraisers and, you know, yeah. doing like studying my butt off for exams and like going to bar eight times a week, yeah. and, like, all these things that were like, not great. And yeah. then all of a sudden it was like, oh shit, now what? Like now I yeah. have to sit with this. Like my, like everything slows down so I can hear my thoughts. I can like, you know, yeah. You actually have to be present with the feelings of grief, which is terrifying and hard. But I think like, yeah, when I did allow myself a little bit of that time and space, which over the next couple of years and did some processing, talked to some professionals that that was huge yes. and it worked. So, yeah. So you, you mentioned at the end that, you know, like part of the blessing in disguise was like that it fueled you to go to Tokyo. So mm. I would love to hear a little bit more about um, like your journey to Tokyo, because obviously if anyone, you know, watched the 2020 slash 2021 Olympics, it was like not as planned. So <laughs> tell me a little bit about, you know, how that process all worked um, specifically for like the Canadian uh, track team or Olympic team. Yeah. It was a, like you said, 2020 <laughs> slash postpone, almost canceled. It was so good. <laughs> right. <Wouldn't allow laughs> it. Right. Cross it out. Put it in 2021. All good. Just copy and paste. It's fine. Um, that process was crazy. I think when Canada pulled out of the Olympics, they pulled out first. Um, oh, really? Like the, in yeah. 2020? Yeah. Like, so this was before the Olympics were even postponed. So it was like Canada, Australia, I think was pulling out. And so for a little while it was like, well, the Olympics might go on and we might just not send a team. So that was wow. I think, this really terrifying feeling of like, okay, my dream is now just gone. Um, yeah, they'd be another they, four years. yes, exactly. Obviously in the coming like kind of week, 
the Olympic committee did decide to postpone and, and all was kind of good, but, um, it did create a lot of challenges, I think for athletes in that year, that, that year gap, because you plan for a four-year cycle. So financially, mentally training wise, like there were a lot of people that either retired, just didn't go to the Olympics and just said, this is too much. Um, or just had a lot of like financial and physical challenges from just training in lockdown and, and trying to make it all work. I was recovering from a surgery at the time, um, like 12 months out to the Olympics. So again, another weird timing blessing in disguise that I had time to recover and really just like focus on that recovery and try and enjoy the process. Um, but I think leading up to the Olympics, the thing that helped me the most was just trying to stay as present in like the day-to-day as possible. Cause there were so many times where I was full panic, like my foot's not going to be healthy. Like I'm not going to make the team like full, like this is kind of hopeless. The pandemic's going to ruin it. Like all these things. Um, but the more I kind of relied on my support system and had some accountability there and had some like external belief in my own belief. And like, if I just take it day by day, it'll work itself out. So, um, that year, the Canadian team had Olympic trials, but because so many Canadian Canadians live in the U S and train in the U S mostly because of the weather, they basically made a rule that said, all the Canadians living in the U S like don't have to come to trials. So we'll just do it based oh, on a committee okay. election, which was weird. Cause if you watch the U S Olympic trials for track, they all go and the top three go for an individual event, top six for a relay. So you just go and you race against each other. And that's it. It's very black and white. Canada was like, you can't come up here because there's a 14 day quarantine. So if you yeah. live in the U S you try to come into Canada, you're going to sit in hotel for two and weeks. Not be able to, that's yeah. Okay. How do you have a peak performance and make the Olympic team after sitting for two weeks? Right. So, um, yeah, up to a committee decision, which definitely left it into a lot of uncertainty as to like, did I run fast enough? Like, but I think there was some peace in that. Cause it's like, okay, I did everything I could. I ran as fast as I could. And that's all I can do at this point. The rest is up in the air. That's so crazy. And it's interesting. Cause like I've been like reading a lot about, you know, different types of grief, and this was, I think, a topic that was talked about a, a bunch in the pandemic. Like, for example, my sister was in the co- like Zoom class of 2020, whatever, and she was grieving the loss of her graduation. Like, she was, mm-hmm. you know, grieving that. And so, in a way, I mean, you know, they said it was post, like, Olympics were postponed, but at, at that point, we didn't know if this thing would literally wipe us out that, like, yeah. <laughs> that year, like, the, what yeah. the next, I mean, COVID's still here, and it's, you know, second half of 2022 um so did did you like feel as if you had you were grieving something else at that point or were you more just kind of like motivated to just keep pushing or both I would say a bit of both I think like last both makes the most sense I think because for sure it was grieving that we had to keep going another year um and just keep pushing. And the fact that my family couldn't be there. Like, I think that's part of the reason why, like you, the most amazing part of going to these huge championships and making these big teams is like, you get to have the people that helped you get there, be there to support and like be a part of it. Right. And so not having my family there was something I feel like I was grieving as well. Like just kind of not seeing my family for a year and a bit, um, not going home for a long time. Um, just because I couldn't risk getting sick because if I did, that's another two weeks that I can't train. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Yeah. So many, like just things that you're kind of having to navigate through that time. Um, but then also I think I just like 
really stuck my head into like, I have a year, you know, like now I can use this time to get stronger, to get faster, to work on my weaknesses and just, yeah, keep pushing. So, but I definitely felt like after the Olympics, I hit a wall. Like I had a burnout 100% from trying to just like push through yeah. a lot of that time. So, so after the Olympics is postponed, they tell you like you're able to compete in the next one or like we're like they select you. So when did you find out you were selected to go for 2021? Yeah. So for track, it's really late. Um, we found out a month before the game. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's so crazy. stressful. It's wild. It's insane. Yeah. It's, I was actually in Scotland coming back, like on my way back from racing abroad. So I had just raced for about a month in Europe, like through all the COVID restrictions. And it was just kind of madness to try and qualify. Um, yeah, we found out a month before, and then you get there, we have a training camp and then for the relay, they do a time trial to see like, which girls are fast enough to then be selected on the relay. So once you're selected for the Olympic team, doesn't mean you're going to run. It's oh crazy. my gosh. At least for the so relay. Simple. Yeah. It's crazy. A lot of uncertainty, <laughs> but it were, you know, like, I feel like over the years I felt very prepared to handle that because I'd had so many years of experience. Um, yeah. How did you deal with that uncertainty? Gosh. Um, it's a great question. There's so many. <laughs> I was like, I like the, all my, my brain gets flooded. Um, one, my coach support system. So like him sitting us down and being like, okay, we can't control all these things. We can't control how the weather's going to be on that day. We can't control travel, whether you make the team or not. All you can control today is how you show up to practice your effort, your attitude, and even the things you're doing off the track. Right. So I would do a lot of visualization. I would do a lot of like meditation, a lot of breathing, like talk to my sports psychologist, like just trying to tap into every resource that I could, um, and all the things that I could control. So it feels like such a simple answer. And I kind of hate being like, just control what you control. Cause that's like kind of annoying, but, um, I really did like make a list in my journal. These are the things I can control right now. And so just putting my effort and focus into that did give me a little bit of that peace when going into that. Um, and just trusting all the training I did. Like I just looked back at my training journal and was like, look at all the work I put in. Like, this is dope, you know? So whether you're a track athlete or not, I think writing down the small wins and looking back and being like, look at all that I've done. Yeah. Like, even if this doesn't kind of pan out, I'm really proud of the work that I've done. I'm really proud of who I've become in this process. And, you know, that's all you can give at the end of the day, right? The rest is up in the air. Definitely. It's so like, it's almost cliche to say, but that it's almost like that was like a metaphor for like what was happening in the world. Like Mm -hmm. the whole idea of like control what you control. We don't, you like, we can't predict what's happening tomorrow is literally like literally while we were living in a global pandemic, not knowing what would happen tomorrow. It's like very, I don't know, almost like not beautiful, but like, you know what I mean? It's very, it just is very like weird that those things are happening, happening simultaneously. But I think it's like a good lesson to take and also help you get through, you know, a global pandemic. So yeah. Yeah. Any challenges that come? No, it's so true. It is. a. I never really thought about it like that. It's so true. It was very parallel the way that those yeah. kind of things happened. Yeah. So wild. Okay. Yeah. So day of the race, what is that? Like, how does that feel? Oh my gosh. 
just you can remember. Uh, I feel like I just black it out. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's funny because I feel like the race itself, like I'll just kind of like, and then I'll kind of go back, but the race itself, because you just said blackout made me think about this. I like have no memory of the race. Like, right. <laughs> like I literally am like, I couldn't even tell you what lane we were in right now. Like, cause I just have no memory. And I think that's, there's so much science around this, which is really cool. I think the science of what they call flow or being in that zone or being in that flow state where your body and your mind and also kind of your soul all kind of act as one. Right. And you feel really grounded. You feel really present. You feel really calm and you're just able to kind of do what your body knows how to do. And I felt like for me and for my teammates, a lot of us kind of felt that like flow state, um, on that stage, which is such a weird thing that you're like, I don't remember the race at all. Um, yeah, yeah. but leading up to the race, a lot of nerves. Um, <laughs> but I think just called my mom, called my sister, listened to a lot of pump up music, kind of do a shakeout around the village in the morning. Um, just like tell myself, you know, today's the day, just honestly, all I was thinking was just like, enjoy it. Just like, let everything go race. You know what to do. You've prepared for this moment and just enjoy it. Um, again, it sounds simple, but I think like, that's what helped me the most was after a very complex year, all the crazy work and things that happen sticking to like a very simple plan in that moment, I think really helped keep me calm and keep me focused on what I needed to do. Yeah. At, at any point during the Olympics, did you like think about the fact that you know that your dad like wasn't there and like even though that was kind of both of your dream yeah it's an amazing question um kind of two different points i would say one at training camp um it was the morning of our time trial um to see who was going to make the four by four to run on the olympics um, I had like a full meltdown that morning. I normally bring like some cards and some like photos and stuff with me to these trips. And so I had, I was reading a card from my mom and dad and it just like triggered all this emotion of wanting him to be here to see this and kind of fulfill this dream that we had together. So yeah, had a full cry called my coach. And I think the old Maddie would have like shut that down been like, no, no, we have to perform today. <laughs> I can't cry right now. But after working with my sports psychologist, doing all the work in the five years from my dad passing and from missing 2016 Olympics, I was like, okay, let me just feel this. Let me recognize that it's here. It's okay that that grief is there. Cry a little bit and then let it go. And I felt so much better and ended up winning that time trial and going forward. But one cool thing too, is that in the Olympic village, once we got there, there's a I almost want to say like memorial. That's this, they had a metal tree and they had these white ribbons and you could write on the ribbon and tie it onto this metal tree. And you could write the name or a message of someone that you had lost along your journey to the Olympics. So all these Olympians, all these coaches had written down the names of loved ones that have passed along their journey and who aren't here to see them compete at the highest level. And so I spent some time, went there, wrote the name of my dad, my aunt, um, a couple other people that have passed in my life and just took that time to like honor and recognize them. And it was really special to see all these ribbons flying and feel not alone in, in your loss and your grief, especially at that stage. So it's amazing that the Olympics had that there as well. That's so beautiful. I didn't know they did that. That's amazing. Yeah. It's almost, I mean, it almost like kind of goes back to just how running is so spiritual, I think. Like mm -hmm. there's sometimes like where 
like all be on a run and and I mean my friend um who, who I lost was like a really big runner so like mm-hmm. it, I always like think of him and like especially like when I did my half marathon but like I wore <laughs> like the shirt that was raising money for um his fund his memorial yes. fund and like I just like felt fueled it's so weird mm-hmm. like you know you just yeah you want to run faster because like it, it's almost like they're the guiding light yes yeah. 100% there's like that energy there that is almost indescribable that but you can feel it like you know that they're with you yeah my dad always used to say like I'm running on your shoulder. Like he would talk on the phone and he'd be like, I'm running on your shoulder in Toronto today. If I'd have a race there or something, or he'd text me that. And so when I was there, it's like you said, it's like, you feel that extra buzz, that extra fuel. And like, I really did feel like he was kind of with me there in a way. So. Oh, that's so beautiful. (laughs) Thanks. Okay. So the next like section, I'm just going to ask you a couple of questions um, that I ask everyone. And I always like, whenever I start with the first question, I'm like, like it should seem obvious, but like you never know. So <laughs> what's one thing in your life that's happened to you that's made you a stronger person today? Ooh, I love that question. I think this is the first thing that came to mind. Um, other than I think some loss and, and growth through that is being an older sister. I love my younger sister so much. And I think like getting to grow up next to her and see her thrive and work through a lot of challenges with dyslexia and our dad passing and tearing our ACL and college across and just like just a lot of different setbacks and, and things that happen in life and seeing her become the woman that she is now and, and getting to like be a small part of that and, and grow alongside her, I think is something that I'll always cherish. So I think like it's a different answer, but it was one that came to mind that I'm like very, it's not like something that happened in my life, but something that's a big part of my life that I really, if I think about it, it's, it carries a lot of weight. Yeah. Wait, are, is it just you two? It's just my sister and I. Yeah. How many years younger? She's two years younger than me. Oh my God. Same. Wait. Okay. No are you a Virgo by any chance? Yes. Are you? Yes. Wow. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I love you so much. No wonder. Wait, that's right. so funny. I mean, it makes sense. Like the discipline, like you know, I'm, I'm sure you were hard on yourself, like in that running process yeah, and my still sister am. Was two years younger and she's like, just the most carefree person, like so chill. I'm like, can I just like have some of that energy? <laughs> That's Pretty so much. funny. She's just like full firecracker, like friend of the people, like same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome. Oh, that's, that's so funny. Okay. Uh, what's, do you have a favorite quote or a mantra that you live by? Ooh. Um, one that I always have used throughout track is just in life has just been day by day and I just like write it down it's something I always think about and it's just a reminder that like again all we have is the day in front of us and just like enjoying that slowing down being present in that and doing what we can with that day and that's enough like not again being too hard on ourselves or, or overanalyzing it as much which I tend to do all the time especially recently but um yeah I would say day by day it's just like that short kind of thing that I try and remind myself of building it. yeah yeah oh, it's, such, it's such an important reminder um, yeah how about yours what's yours I have so many um <laughs> I think like in kind of like in honor of this episode and also has to do with yeah. running. Um, so I've actually never told this story on, on the podcast, but I went to like this weird, <laughs> not weird, just a very eclectic boarding school. 
uh, for high school, which is how I know Helen um, and how I knew, Al- knew Alex. And we did this. It was like an Episcopalian school, which I'm not Episcopalian, but whatever. <laughs> and we had to go to chapel twice a week. And like my sophomore year, we did this like co- like a contest um, for people to read chapel sermons, like um, <laughs> whatever. And uh, my friend, the one who passed, did one about running. And it was like all about just kind of being able to get over like hard challenges which is just so ironic um and like again kind of spiritual and spooky and he said this one quote in the chap in the chapel talk that I'll never forget and I just think it's so beautiful specifically with just like everything that's like happened it's if death is the separation of body and spirit then running is the purest form of aliveness Mm. and I just think that's like so beautiful for so many reasons and it kind of makes me think of you know, kind of, as you said, you're like dad riding on your shoulder and, yeah. and just being able to kind of elevate, like go to another almost like level when you run. Yeah. And I so, love that. Isn't that so beautiful? And I can still remember yeah. it. It's, it's on YouTube. I, <laughs> if anyone wants to see a chapel talk from St. Andrew's school in Delaware, oh. um, but it's so, yeah, it's, it's out there. Yeah. That's beautiful. Um, I love right? that. Uh, yeah. What do you love most about yourself? Ooh, um, I love that I'm really gritty. Like, I think it's been a superpower of mine. I think in track and just in life, like I will not give up. Um, but I think it's been something I've also learned to like, not like harness, but sometimes I like just keep banging my head against the wall, right? Where I think sometimes you just have to like let life be and just like yeah. try as hard as you can. And then at that point, see where the cards may fall. So I'm kind of answering like a superpower and some time and weakness. And that's kind of the, the, the yeah, case the point superpowers that, yeah. a lot of times, right. Is that they can be our superpower, but they also can be like a vice, I guess sometimes. So, um, yeah, I'm really proud of the way that I've been able to kind of like push through and especially in track, I feel like I have a lot of heart when I race and just like kind of give everything and kind of lay it on the line for my teammates. So that's definitely something I'm, I'm proud of. I love that. I've never gotten that answer, but I think it's such a it's it's such a great quality and it also just makes you like creative and like and you know it got you to where you are which is just so impressive. Thank you. What's yours? Now that we're I want to hear yours now. To that great story. Your oh, other probably my curiosity. Mm, love that. Like just being so interested in people and want hence the podcast and like, <laughs> wanting to know more about people's stories and like unpack I mean again it could be a weakness it's like why are you psychoanalyzing me and I'm like "Ah, I just (laughs) just want to know about your inner demons yeah tell me that it all tell me (laughs) that's so good and then the last question which is the name of the podcast is how do you find solace in the city and city can be like anything like could be spiritual can be Austin like what brings Mm -hmm. you peace brings me peace recently and I think just in general um just being outside I think like especially in nature like being around some big trees being near some water um that brings me a lot of peace um and then talking to my family as well like just people like you said I'm kind of in the same way I think that gives me a lot of peace oh I love that Maddie thank you 
so 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 much for coming on the podcast it's so Thank cool you. to like virtually meet you and i've heard so many wonderful things where oh, can wow. everyone follow you you know keep up with everything you're doing support you how can they all do that yeah well thanks for having me Zoe. this has been awesome um yeah. So for social media, um, on Instagram and TikTok, it's the same handle. It's Maddie Priceless, M-A-D-D-Y, and then P-R-I-C-E-L-E-S-S, Maddie Priceless. Um, my website is kind of under construction, but it's maddieprice.net. Um, and then I do mentoring for young female athletes. So if you're a female athlete, ages 13 to 23, um, on the voice and sport platform. So voiceandsport.com. Um, yeah, virtual mentorship. And we talk about everything from body image to how to train on your period to just like kind of the journey, injuries, recovery, everything. So, um, yeah, those are the places to find me. That's so awesome. Thanks again. And bye everyone. (laughs) 